Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm Keith Brown, and I'm so glad that you could join me for this podcast, where my passion in life is to help my LGBTQIA Christian family heal their church trauma, and hopefully construct genuine faith. Before we begin, let me just tell you a little bit about me. For the last 30 plus years, I've had the joy of teaching, speaking, and performing as a comedy magician in my in-person events all over the United States. I'm also the published author of fiction and nonfiction books, and one of the greatest joys I've had in life is pastoral counseling, coaching, and mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 30 plus years. I'm proud of all those things. But can I also tell you, I know what it's like to hurt and I know what it's like to suffer deep church trauma, specifically around sexual identity, as so many of you obviously have as well. So if that's something that you can buy into and you would like to partner with me as we try to help each other in this journey thing we call life, then you're in the right place. I encourage you to grab a cup of coffee, sit at my table, and let's have a chat. One disclaimer though, please. I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. So if you need either of those services, please do consult a local professional. Otherwise, let's get it started here on Coffee with Keith. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Bible Talks. And today we're going to continue our walk through the book of Acts. This is the story of Pentecost, which is very important to a lot of Christians because there is a lot of things going on there and a lot of teaching, a lot of theology comes from this. Um, it's also very important to Pentecostals in the universal church because this is a part of their high part of their theology. So I just want to look at it today and share with you some thoughts that I have in relation to this text. Now, basically, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it goes on to say that there were uh, people dwelling in Jerusalem from all types of places, all types of nations. And then it says later on in this scripture, and I'm, I'm cutting a little short here because of time, but it says, um, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? 
but others mocking said they are filled with new wine. And then, of course, we go on to talk about um, the fact that that's not the case at all. And it's very important because when we look at this text, um, there's a lot of people that have put so much emphasis on the actual display of this language. There are three basic ideas here that could be taking place. There was the miracle of hearing that people heard some type of language, whether it was the language of the people speaking, the, the apostles who had received this indwelling the Holy Spirit, and then it was converted in their hearing. Or there are some who believe that the apostles were gifted with the ability to speak in a language and a dialect that was common to a particular audience they were in front of, but not one that was their own. So that would have been a gift of speech and um, translation ability in, in their minds to be able to speak that of, of a language they didn't know personally. And then there was a third primary group that believes, no, that's not what happened at all. They spoke in an unknown language, um, a language of tongues, if you will. And it was that that they uttered from their Holy Spirit indwelling. And then the people heard the the sound, what they were hearing, and then the Holy Spirit began to work in the hearers to basically allow them to interpret this unknown language. So there's all types of different beliefs on what actually happened, and there's some discussion, and there's obviously some debate here. But let's move to the bigger story, because I think in this text, in my mind, as I have read it and studied it many times over many years, there are four things, four truths, four Ps, if you will. And you know me, I'm either doing acrostic or a list of, of things in my teaching. So today it's the four Ps, P like Paul, the four Ps of God. And I just want to share those with you as quickly as I can in this time together. The first is this, the promise of God. You remember contextually that Jesus told his disciples the apostles, to go back and stay in Jerusalem to wait for the one that he had promised, right? Jesus told them to do that. They listened to Jesus, and they did what Jesus said. And what happened? The promises that Jesus made came true. And I myself take great comfort in that because I believe when I go to the book and I read it and I hear the teachings and the promises that Jesus made to this original audience and subsequently with proper interpretation to me, then I take comfort in knowing that God is faithful in keeping his promises. So the promises of God can be believed. The promises of God can give us strength. The promises of God can give us courage. The promises of God can give us joy because God is faithful. The second P is the power of God. One of the reasons that all this stuff happened, the sound, the bursting sound that drew the attention of everybody, this fantastic situation of whatever methodology that was used by God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to do this amazing audible and visual evidence. The reason for it was to display the power of God. And I believe that he still does it. I believe that God still shows his power around us. I believe in my spirit that God is still active and moving. And just like God did here in this situation, in this 
city of Jerusalem, around these apostles and witnesses, I believe that the, our God, the God of the entire universe, the God of all being, the God who created all things is still a God that is showing up daily in our world and displaying the power that is God. And for me, I take great comfort to know that there is nothing outside of the power of the living God. How comforting is that? And then there's the proof of God. I believe that God showed himself here in a way that they could automatically see and experience that God was real. God showed up and did something that was extremely unusual. Never happened before. Never was this evidence in such a way so that there was proof that God was God, that Jesus' promises were fulfilled, that Jesus, who said he was, is who he said he was. There was all this proof to these people that Jesus meant what he said and that they could rely on his teaching and his promises. You know what? I think one of the things that we struggle with in today and this world we live in and the lives that we live and the experiences we have is that sometimes we feel that we can't see or experience the proof of God. Where is God? Why isn't he showing up? Why is God not showing uh, his power, his majesty? And I'm using he, the masculine pronoun. That's just the way that I have been doing it all my life. So uh, nothing inferred in that of any negativity or things like that. If you're a person who is a little bit more open with your pronouns when it comes to God, I'm just saying, this is what I have always said. So just bear with me here. If that uh, that's not offensive, I hope to you, but I believe that God is a God who does show up and gives proof. There are things in life on a daily that I believe if we took the time to really see and imagine and just wonder at that would prove that there is a still a powerful God. And yet there are many of you right now that are probably in stages of life when you don't feel that there's a God or that God is not caring and loving toward you or God is not moving in your life. He's not there. He's not showing himself He's not proving himself. And I get that because let me be honest with you. There have been times in my life when I felt the same way. There have been times in my life when I go, God, where are you? I have given my life to you. I've served you. I have loved you. And here I am in this desert experience. And I'm wondering, oh my God, where are you? Why don't you show up? Prove yourself. Show me you're there. And maybe that's you today. And if so, I get it. Don't beat yourself up. I think that most of us probably have gone through these desert experience when we go through and say, God, you know, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be the mighty God. You're supposed to be all knowing, all caring, all loving, all powerful. And yet in my life, I don't see any of that evidence right now. And truthfully, these apostles felt the same way. The one that they had followed, this Jesus, the one that they had loved, the one they cared for, their teacher had been put to death. And here they were probably feeling lost. They were they were thinking, God has forsaken us. What happened? Our Jesus, who was supposed to come and reign in majesty and take over the world, and yet he died. And all this stuff is taking place. And they probably struggled with their own faith, their own trust. And yet God is here proving that he is real, 
that he is alive, and that he is powerful. And I believe, dear friend, if you stake just a little bit of time to calm yourself, to relax, and to look, you will see the hand of God proving himself in your life. I don't know how. It can be very subtly. It can be something majestic. My wife, who I love very much, has a kind of faith that says she'll that there'll be certain little things that'll happen, just unusual little things. Something happened even Saturday evening that was a little bit unusual. And we had been talking and, and she had felt a calling of God in her heart for most of her life. And it's actually not happened. And there are times when she becomes very discouraged. And I get that. Same thing for me. I've, I've, I've faced that as well. But something happened Saturday night that just reinforced that calling to her. And it was like a gift to her. And she looked at me. She said, Keith, this was another wink from God. She calls him God winks. And that's when she te- she recognizes that God is still proving himself and showing himself in her life. And I love that. So my friend, maybe today you're going to see a God wink. And if you do, take a moment recognize it and be thankful for it. There's one other thing that I just want to simply mention from this text that I think is important and is the passion of God. And what is the passion of God displayed here? It is the passion to reach his children, to draw his children unto him. And how he did it here is amazing. He came in and he gave this gift of the Holy Spirit that was manifested in some unusual way, either through the speaking or the hearing or both. And yet what he did was do what he had to do, the way he needed to do it to reach the people with his love and promises. And one of the things that I happen to think today is that God is still has a passion for people and he has a passion for all of us. And God wants to do whatever God needs to do to reach us and care for us and love us wherever and however we are. And a lot of people try to manufacture the the way God must be, the way God must speak, the, the type of person only God can care about, love, and be for. And I think in this text, it exemplifies that that's not at all true. God is a God who will go beyond measure to reach his people, all people, with his beautiful love and promises and gifts. And here's another thing, my dear friend. You might be that vessel that can be someone to show the love of Christ and display the light that is the hope of God. Are you willing to do that? Do you feel that you can be someone who, even in the midst of your crap, even in the midst of your problems, even in the midst of the struggles you deal with, Can you be a person who attracts people to Jesus instead of pushing them away? What about it? That's my heart. I don't have to be right because many times I'm not. And I'm okay with that. But I also know that I want to be loving. And I want to be someone who points people, not to me, not to certain box theology. All I want to do is point people 
to Jesus and let Jesus do the work. Amen. All right. That's it for my little talk about this section of Pentecost. Boy, there is a lot of stuff that you could dive into here. There's a lot of deep, deep-seated theology, and there's a lot of things. But you know what? I, I I just wanted to share my four piece with you because today I think that I needed to hear it and maybe someone out there did as well. All right, so that's it for now. Hope that you have, will have a great day. Don't forget to heal your hurts and move your mountains. And may God truly bless you, my friend. Bye-bye. <laughs>